0: We're continuing our series, I Disciple, and the title of the sermon this afternoon is The Conditions of Discipleship. Central to us moving forward in our walk with Jesus is the reconditioning of our mind and our will to come into partnership with the truth of God's Word. So discipleship at its center should always, always be intentional. It should be laced with integrity, and it should be filled with hearts that are postured and positioned to moving forwards in God's plan for your life. Our will has to be His will. Surrendered hearts that fully abide in the Father's love produce authentic disciples. But you know, the reality is that true discipleship doesn't actually exist too much today. We fall into the trap of comfortable Christianity You can take a moment to search them on Instagram and you can see a lot of the memes where they may even apply to your own life where your heart is revealed in these memes. But the reality is Jesus did not die for us to be comfortable. He did not die that our lives would not change, our hearts would not be renewed, our minds would not be reconditioned. He died for total transformation. Simply put, the better discipled you are, the greater the impact that you will have in your community. You fundamentally will carry the heart and the kingdom of God everywhere you go. And it was a bit of an interesting moment for me. Uh, Last week was my birthday, and I was able to sit with my... my, No, 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 please. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I was able to sit with the person who led me to the Lord and my best friend. And that's 30 30 years of friendship with each of these two great guys. And they started to reminisce. And it was really awkward when people start reminiscing about how you used to be. You know those ones? You kind of, your toes curl and you start to sweat just when they start talking about the way you used to behave, the way you used to act, the way you used to speak, the way you used to dress, um, the language that you definitely shouldn't be using and the language I was definitely using. Um, But what it gave me was an, an incredible opportunity, a lens if you like, to look back at my own life, after some people are remembering those journeys, but it gives you a great opportunity to look back at where you were and where you are. That's called transformation. We're called to be transformed. We're not called to modify our hearts and our lives. Simply put, never avoid God's way of maturing you. It's not easy. Pursue the way that leads to discovering how your life should look like through the lens of Jesus Christ. You are His prized possession. Deuteronomy 7:6 is a great starting point for us. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on the face of the earth to be His people, His treasured possession. So keep that at the forefront of your heart and mind as we go on this journey. So there are only really two learning outcomes for us this afternoon, to understand the power of a renewed mind, and then to understand and connect our will with the Father's will. And so let's go on this journey because as we achieve those two outcomes, we will then learn to pursue true discipleship. Renewing your mind, make no mistake, that is a personal responsibility that you have towards God. It is not for anyone else but yourself. So Romans 12, verse 2. Why don't you turn in your Bible to Romans 12, verse 2. Renewing your mind. It's the Apostle Paul speaking. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. Now, these are, this is a portion of Scripture that I'm sure we're all very, very familiar with, and the familiarity can sometimes allow these words to be diluted in our heart and in our mind. But they take on a richer meaning when we're able to define and understand the parameters and the words that are used here in this portion of Scripture that Paul is clearly speaking to us today and to the early Christians at the time. So, conform. To conform is to fashion or shape one thing into another. However, to transform is to change one thing into another form, to be totally transformed into something different. Now the world is a system of evil which opposes God. So the reality is we act as we think. If you think about that, that's our reality. The way we act is the way we think. Don't know about you, but all sin and all obedience that I ever have demonstrated in my life has come from my mind. And the same, I would suggest, is true for each and every one of us in the room. So the key to overcoming the sin and to grow in godliness is to change your thinking. Stinking thinking, I think Pastor Colin calls it. (laughs) We must remember that reconditioning our minds is an ongoing process. One of the traps I fell into in my early days as a Christian was thinking, well, you know, you just abandon and disown all the things of the world and you step towards God's plan and God's purpose and that's it. No, every single day... Some of you are probably on your phone scrolling through social media as I speak. Your mind is taking in data, information. None of it, invariably, will probably be very, very healthy for you. The way that you transform your mind is reading and applying this, the Word of God, to every single part of your life. If you think the answers are found on Wikipedia, if you think they're found, even in Facebook or Snapchat or any nice vibes that people like to send, forget it. It is not going to bring transformation. At best, it will bring modification. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This also encompasses the way we act, the way we behave, the way we dress, the way we talk. But predominantly, Paul is talking about thinking. So it brings me on to my next point. Compromise is the welcome mat of deception. Compromise is the welcome mat of deception in your life. The harsh reality for us as Christians is that we are called to be salt and light. We are called to change and transform every area of society that we place our feet in. That can only be done if our our minds are continually transformed. And so I want you to think about moments and situations where maybe the, the the unregenerated heart or mind has failed God in a moment because we've allowed compromise to creep in. And it starts with small stuff. Little things, little bit of banter that you might entertain, not entertain, little jokes that you might have with your friends at work or home or whatever. All those things are the product, the outworking of a mind that has not yet been fully redeemed and fully reconditioned to God. Sin always destroys, always damages, right? But holiness will always restore and redeem in every single area of your heart and in your life. So I think about how we expand our mind for a little bit because we can become very entrenched. I don't know about you but I can become very entrenched in some of the way I think, some of the way I I have views whether it's politically about portions of Scripture whatever but here's the harsh reality if you want to change you've got to be open to it. Nothing in your life is going to change if we continue to allow the same thoughts to determine the way that we then subsequently behave and yet Paul says very clearly, be transformed by the renewing, present tense, it's an ongoing process. And so I would suggest that your desire to change, your appetite to change, is going to be dictated and determined by how willing you're then prepared to step towards that change, which we will explore in a moment. So think about what you think about, about God. If I asked you to come up, 45 seconds, summarize your relationship with Christ testify. What would your opinion, what would your view be? Probably, it would be a very, very current reality of what you sense or feel is in your heart and in your mind right now about what God is or isn't in your life. So let's just say, for example, some of you went for a job interview this week and for whatever reason you didn't get the job. Well, God isn't quite so good this week, right? We fall into that way of thinking very, very quickly because we think we know best for our lives. But if our mind is not fully redeemed, if our mind is not fully renewed, then we don't know what's best for our lives. And even when we do, God's ways are ultimately higher. God's ways are ultimately better in every single area. To expand our mental capacities for God, we need to train and renew our mind through discipline, which means studying the Word, prayer, Sunday service, Sunday giving. I mean, I think about myself publicly. Most of you have probably seen me pray publicly, amen, once or twice, The reality was, for me, very, very on in my early days, I did not like to pray publicly in any capacity. And so the the guy that led me to the Lord, he used to bribe me. It's terrible, isn't it? What Christians used to do. I used to be bribed to go to a youth prayer meeting at 6 a.m. in the lower hall on a Tuesday morning. And I've got to go to work after this. Like, predominantly at that time, I wasn't really a morning person. In this weather, there is no way you're getting me out right hundred percent like don't know about anyone else right but that's just the unrenewed mind right? I'm being convicted as I speak but he had a really really good tip I'll buy you breakfast like that that's gonna get you out right like it's not not like a a croissant it's like a full English breakfast okay fine but what was he trying to achieve he was trying to get me to change the way I think the reality is there will be strongholds if you think about areas of your life you will be entrenched in your views which means that nobody can get in, you can't shift, and you can't change. But when we become acutely aware of the presence of God in every area of our lives, when His Word, when worship, when warfare, when intercession is at the vanguard of our thinking, then our minds start to get renewed. Our minds start to move towards who we are called to be in God. Transformation into the likeness of Christ happens through the Word of God this transformation comes with anything we do but it only comes by knowing God and his word you never get a sermon from me that doesn't have a proverb Proverb 23 verse 7 as a man thinks in his heart so he is when what we think and know is God's word that will come out in the way that we subsequently live now I can hear a few of you saying well you know you are just cherry-picking verses okay 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, verse 17, it's Paul again writing to Timothy, says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped, not just have the minimum to get through the process, thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. So not something sometimes, everything all the time. The Word is what will equip us and prepare us to live in this life. We are instructed to know and approve God's will for our lives and this comes through renewing our mind through scripture. To be effective in our life it has to be a revelation. So get unfamiliar with the Word of God because the more familiar you become with it the less tolerant you will be to want to read it. It has to become fresh. It has to become new each and every day in your life. Here's something else to consider. God will occasionally... Occasionally, offend your mind to reveal your heart. That's a blatant reality. Think about the last time you were offended. Don't know what it was. Don't know what was said. Not said. Read. Not read. I'm not necessarily particularly interested. But I guarantee you a few things. It was in your mind first before it then seeped into your heart. And whatever you subsequently said or did as a result of what was said to you Cause cause that situation. David declares in Psalm 26, verse 2, test me, O Lord. I always think it's careful. We need to be careful when we (laughs) we say test me, O Lord, because then we get tested, then we don't want the test. So, you know, we need to be kind of careful. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. So David here is very much connecting heart and mind. He's very much saying, I need to know what's in my mind and what's in my heart, Because what's in my heart is what's in my mind and vice versa. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. This is those who are called to make alive as those that are made alive in Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That means that we don't walk in rebellion to God's voice. Instead, we look to live in direct obedience to His will. When you sense conviction from God, submit yourself to Him and walk according to the Spirit. And if you're going to run, do one thing, run to Jesus. Too often we run away from Him or we run away away from our situations and actually we need to run to Him. So point number two, what about God's will versus my will? Anyone have tests or challenges around that? Because... It's very, very easy. Often in our Christian life, in our Christian walk, we we like to modify, we like to tweak, we like to coerce God almost into lining His will for our lives up with our will or our perceived will. Corrie ten Boom said this, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Now the implication of that, I would suggest, although she didn't say this, that the direct opposite would also be applicable that the most dangerous place for any of us to be is outside of God's will. Abraham, in Genesis 12, took everything with him because he wanted to live in God's will. He recognized that there is no joy for him, and I would suggest the same is true for us, outside of God's will for your life. Real partnership with God gives you a blessed assurance. As we connect with God's will, he guides and changes our hearts. He helps process challenges. He enables us to soak up the blessing of His greatness and prepares us for what He has called us to do. Philippians 2 verse 13 For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Which means, friends, that we cannot rely on our own strength. I have found that Ultimately, when we rely on our own strength, we will have a measure of success for a period of time. But then, when I've found that we surrender to God's will, his supernatural strength kicks in. And make no mistake, you have only one of two options. So this is a picture, I don't know if you can see it, my will, next exit, God's will, the other exit, which means you've only got one of two places to go. If you're in a car on a journey, you you can't kind of be in God's will and your will. You're either in this lane or that lane. You're either on this motorway or that motorway. Simply put, you're either in God's will or you're not. You're either walking towards who God has called you to be and what God has called you to achieve, or you're doing your own will. We, we have both internal and external faith. The internal faith focuses on self, what I can do to change my circumstances. Ever done that? You know, the list of things that I can achieve that I need to get done in order to change the will that I know that God has for me, done. But we only focus in those moments on our natural resources. We don't look to the authority, to the power, or to the grace of God. External faith recognizes the answer to life's challenges are found only in Christ, and we must focus on His unfailing love. We can only truly see Christ when we are trusting in Him. So often, we, we say that we trust the Lord with all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, all our heart, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but then what we live out, there's a massive gap. There's a huge chasm that we we wrestle and we fight with to bring into partnership, but it's never going to work because we need to live lives that are fully surrendered to God's will. Anything else, and there will be no joy. We cannot be at the mercy of the elements or the circumstances around our life. When we say that we trust in the Lord, it means that we're looking solely to Him, Him and Him alone, exclusive focus on Jesus Christ. Our fruitfulness and our focus is not dependent on our circumstances or our environment. It's dependent on who Jesus is, which means that we need to continually renew our mind. The way we see things is not always the way that things actually are, right? And so the result of that, sometimes, is that the victory is all the more better when we're able to partner with God. As long as we live in God's will, we know that there's no, there's no sense of defeat. We only experience victory. So think about any defeat that you've had in your life. I would suggest perhaps maybe it's not necessarily been part of God's will for your life. Strong and bold, but biblically true. Because God never fails. God never loses. So any experience that you go through is not worthless. You can draw the nuggets of gold. You can appreciate what God has done in a given moment or situation or season of your life and move forward. The closer you are to God, the more in line with His will you will be. And then you're a real partner. You know, we are co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs means equal. It means that we're in partnership with Him in those moments. And so, for each area of your life, you should be thinking about, well, where am I partnering with God in this? Or do we often, as I have done, just present God our plan and go, well, this is what I would like to achieve. Uh, Join me in that, please, Lord. That's not not being a co-heir with Christ. That's not being in partnership with Him. That's me being my God and then inviting Him to join the party. That never works. And to date, it's never worked. Number three, as we move forward in this, as we allow our minds to be renewed, as we come into partnership with God's will, one goal is achieved. True discipleship. True discipleship. And I think that for us in our lives, it's the goal. When you think about your life, are you a true disciple? This quote from A.W. Tozer is incredible. There are rare Christians whose very presence incites others to be better Christians. I want to be that rare Christian. Simply put, when you are truly being discipled and when you truly disciple, you are going to impact everyone around you. They're gonna catch something of what God is doing in your heart and in your life. You know, we hate change. Anyone hate change or is it just me? No? You, just, you don't even like the question, right? <laughs> Everybody hates change. Everyone. But we know it's necessary. But you know, I want to suggest to you this afternoon that we don't actually hate change. You know what we change? We hate? We hate the process of change. So, you, you know, a little bit of a secret. I weigh 80 kilos right now, okay? So, that's not bad. However, I came back from America (laughs) about 10 years ago weighing closer to 90 kilos, and I wasn't in the shape that I'm in right now. I was told, you need to lose some weight because your name is Scott Temple Belly. (laughs) Can I get an (laughs) ah, ah. Any sympathy. In fact, actually, there's a a few protagonists actually over here that that were leading the assault. Um, Here's the reality. I was not been in the gym for six or eight months at that time. I've been on holiday, enjoying myself. The reality was I had to decide in my heart, do I want to change the way that I physically look? Yes or no? That's hard because you're used to the status quo in that moment and that's not going to the gym and eating junk food. You have to then take steps towards it. We don't like change, we, like, we don't like the process of change. Changing our behavior, the way we think. You mean I can't have donuts for breakfast? No. <laughs> you can't have Subway for lunch every day? No. And so what happens is I get told that I can't do what I want to do. Sound familiar in our walk with God a little bit? Where he calls us to do some stuff that we don't want to do, or he tells us to stop doing some stuff that we are still doing. And the reality is, your motivation is directly linked to your success. However discipled you are in your journey with Jesus today is down to you. Do not blame your cell leader. Do not blame Pastor Colin. Do not blame anybody else. It is solely and exclusively down to you. You are as much or as little like Jesus right now today as you want to be. And I would say that if we have the appetite... And forgive the pun and the motivation to step towards becoming more like him it's going to require change wholesale change it's not cut out the odd donut it's everything has to change or we stay the same and the cycle continues it's very easy to remain a conformist it's easy to stick with the status quo we are not called to conform to the pressures of this world you know that right Hmm? we're called to be salt and light But for our saltiness to be effective, we have to have something different. If we want the world to believe in an invisible God, when they look at your life and they look at their life and they see no difference, it's never going to happen. Our minds need to be renewed each and every day. God demands that his people are different. Make no mistake, the goal of every Christian is to become more like Christ, which means the destination is always Christ. What you believe, you live out every single time. So ask yourself, do you want to be cared for and nurtured or do you want to be discipled? Because true discipleship, true discipleship brings transformation, not merely modification. It extends the kingdom. You carry the anointing and the authority every single time that you speak in his name. And here's some affirmation for us this afternoon. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are, who's he talking to? Us. We are God's masterpiece. You you go to any museum and you see the masterpiece. You don't see the 50 dummy drawings or whatever they're called that they drew before that. So you see the masterpiece. You see the best of the best of the best every single time. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he has planned for us long ago. Let me give you a dictionary definition of masterpiece, a person's greatest piece of work. Something done with mastery skill or a consumer example of skill or excellence in any kind. Look at the person next to you. Tell them that they are God's masterpiece. <laughs> no no no, not changing numbers over here, just say that they're God's masterpiece thing. <laughs> So, the reality is that we have that opportunity, but here are some steps, five quick points on how we can live this out. The first thing is that we have to humble our heart before the Lord. Humility is necessary for a teachable heart. To discover your calling, you've got to set aside your agenda, you've got to set aside your presuppositions, and you have to surrender to God's will. You cannot have a predetermined plan and then invite God to be part of it. He's just not gonna get involved. You need to ask yourself the question, what is God calling you to do today? And then ask yourself if you wanna be in partnership with it. Two, examine your life experiences and your current circumstances. God uses life experience, family, work, spiritual gifts, challenges, etc., to mold, train, and equip us. Sometimes it's the very thing that we are trying to hide, the trials that we've gone through, the perceived failures, that are the very things that God wants to use the most. We all suffer trials. Sometimes we need to surrender and lean on God. And when we do, we come out the other side victorious and God is glorified. Number three, apply your talents, your gifts and ability. If you want to understand what God's will is for your life, God will always match your calling with your capabilities. In determining that, here's a few questions. What are your strengths? What brings out your passion? How do people respond to you when they see your giftedness? As you seek God's calling, he will direct your steps and confirm what he has already said. The most common way is in the word of God. Number four, trust in God's timing and in his answer. God will always cause you to step into moments, into seasons, into situations that cause you to trust him. Because his name has to get the honor. His name has to get the glory in that moment. Otherwise it's man-made and it's self-effort. There will always be a perfectly orchestrated and timed moment to display his honor. Ecclesiastes 3.11 In the fullness of time, he makes all things beautiful. All things. And so the overarching question for you this afternoon is, is your mind renewed? However renewed you believe your mind is, that is in direct correlation to how much you are in God's will. And so that's a self-assessment. And the more you renew your mind, the more you come into partnership with God's will. And it's hard. Because we think we know best. Right? Or is it just me? We think we know what's best for our lives. We, We want to be... Lord of our own lives. We want to make our own decisions, but actually it doesn't produce God's will for our life. The only time that we will understand that we are in God's will is when we renew our minds. And Paul makes it very clear. It's a continual process. It's not once in a lifetime, do it when you give your life to Christ and that's it. It's a continual process because you are bombarded every single day with opportunities and moments and situations for your mind to be corrupted. And for your mind to be then renewed, it needs to be in his word each and every day. Do not live in opposition to God's will. Here's a humble fact as we draw our thoughts to a close. At any point in your life, you are either being conformed to the world or being conformed to Christ. It can never be both at the same time. And God's will, I have found, is always more pleasing for you than disobedience ever is. Ever. There is perfect joy when you're in God's will, friends. Amen.